Professional, your weekly legal podcast. My name is Jeff Koki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode 252, and welcome back to my front porch. It is a beautiful night here in Phoenix, uh, sitting out here by the fireplace. I, man, I just love, I mean, night times for me, I'm finding this very bizarre routine, which it's like early in the mornings, you know, I get up around 5.30, I get out here earlier, and then, you know, around that same time, 5.30, 5.45, somewhere in there, and then at nighttime, I don't, I'm just drawn back, I don't know, it's like I, I, I have this very bizarre discipline, it's like, you know, the cap capstones, you know, like the beginning and end. Um, but I really enjoyed the rhythm. I'm probably out here, I don't know, maybe four to five times a week, uh, just sitting out here at night. And I, it, you know what it is? I think this is what it is. It's the stillness of it all. I've realized that my life on the whole is fairly chaotic. And, and it's not a bad chaos. It's just chaotic. You know, I've got kids, so grateful for them. Uh, I've got this job, and I, I get to help lots of people, and I love doing that. Lots of meetings, lots of things like that, and I really enjoy that. But it's, it's I, in this season of my life, this year I'll be 45, I'm really enjoying stillness and quiet. And it's kind of a bizarre thing for me because I think for so much of my life, it was like chaos, go, run, gun, you know, all of that busyness. And it's like in the last few years, I mean, really the culmination of how this podcast came to be, as most some of you know, who's been who have been listening for a while, is that I kind of hit a wall and was like, I got to get outside, started sitting on my front porch, but I never realized how important of a decision that was and now what's so funny is you know i you know for i don't know maybe four years i've been four and a half years i've been sitting out on my front porch but in the last i don't know since being in phoenix there's this kind of attraction to not just in the morning but at night and it's like this beautiful capstone of like you know starting in the morning and then kind of ending at night in this this piece. And the, here's the other thing. The sky looks fairly, it's almost the same uh, in the morning and at night. Like I get a different set of stars. Um, I get, the moon's in a different position. But I, I get this really similar feel both in the morning and at night. And I'm like, that is so bizarre that just being invited into that. So anyway, I, the only reason I tell you all this is uh, once again, an encouragement to find your space, find your sacred space, find that place that just is kind of quiet. And who knows over a long period of time, or maybe a short period of time, you start realizing like, whoa, I think this is having an impact in my heart and in my soul. And you know what it is? I, I realize I struggle um, to really hear and listen at times. And I think it's because there's a lot of different chaotic things. You know, I got my phone that goes off. I got my email. I've got, you know, inbox. I've got people that I'm meeting with. I got schedule. And, and for some reason, the morning at night, it's like it just kind of goes, <sighs> you know, so I'm enjoying this rhythm. And, and it is where I think the age of our kids and where we're at there, where Patty and I are at in our marriage. Like, it's almost like I, I tell people all the time, listen, 
if you're kind of like newlyweds or you're within the first five, six years of your marriage and you have kids, or I actually like to say, if you have, you can be married for 10 years or 12 years or 20 years. And if you just start having kids, those years are chaotic years. You know, they're just crazy. You know, you're taking care of a small little thing that constantly needs you. Um, and so in some ways, as they get older, it's almost like this relaunch of independence and life not in a bad way, like you're running away, like, but Patty and I can go on date nights, leave the kids and it's okay. And so it, I think maybe also just this idea of enjoying this sense of independence. And, uh, you know, for me, that's morning and at night and it, it really has been great. Find your sacred spot, find that place of calm. Even if it's for five minutes, sit down somewhere and just breathe take in the silence somewhere it will be really refreshing to your soul thank you for each and every one of you who continue to listen to this podcast it's always so encouraging uh that those of you who listen and continue to listen it's awesome and thanks for giving those of you who give monthly on patreon and those who uh every once in a while just give a kind donation either through venmo or through a check or however different things i just really really appreciate that so thank you okay our passage for today now i have to tell you this before we go into this passage because it's fun Uh, i was on a walk this morning a really good buddy of mine who lives in california uh we were talking this morning and he and i talk fairly regularly and we brought up this passage and we were just laughing hysterically about it because both of us have had these kind of encounter with with people and, and even with, uh, you know, relatives here and there and, you know, just different things that brought and So he had been reading this passage and was like, this is so funny. I read this this morning. And so we had a big laugh about it. And I thought, you know, I'm going to actually like I got off the call with him. I'm actually going to kind of work through that, think through that. So the passage is Proverbs 25:17, And it says this, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house lest he have his fill of you and hate you. <laughs> uh, Proverbs twenty five seventeen. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Uh, it, it, one of the interesting things, so I grew up in Ohio uh, my whole life, uh, born in Michigan, grew up in Ohio, uh, went to school in Chicago. We were there for a decade. And then ended up in Arizona after that. And when in the Midwest, there's very pretty, there's very kind of clear and defined rules in the Midwest. At least that was in my experience. You know, there's not many people just at least growing up or even as Patty and I were adults, that kind of just people randomly showed up to your door. Normally that was something that was scheduled. Normally there was a request that was put in and usually you kind of calendared that out. Uh, There were certain expectations like, you know, if you watch somebody's kids, there's kind of an expectation that you would do the same. You know, when you go over to somebody's house, you always bring something like those types of like when people talk about Midwestern values, those are real. Those are real values. And and I think they're they're really good. Um, but when we came out to the West Coast, it was like a weird awesome new adventure because in the West Coast, it was like people showed up at your house, knocking your door. We would have people walk in our front door like people that we knew, but they just open the door and walk in. In the Midwest, you're going to get shot. <laughs> no, you're just going to be, they're going to be like, what are you doing? Like we didn't have it scheduled or calendar. Now I'm generalizing, of course. So those of you who live in the Midwest, 
I'm not criticizing at all. And those of who live in the West Coast, I'm not saying the West Coast is the best coast. I really do want to make that clear. Uh, but what was interesting for me is that what neighboring looks like in both of those situations is completely different. And so as I was lo- reading through uh, this passage and, and studying a little bit, I thought that's that that's what came to mind is this, you know, we came out here and we realized, like, actually, if you were to do this in the Midwest, it just wouldn't work. They'd be like, what are you doing here, right? Why would you do that? And, you know, you would start offending people or hurting people's feelings. Um, and so I think Solomon, what I love about Proverbs, and if you know any, I have done quite a few podcasts on Proverbs. Uh, I got, I studied it, I think it was about a year ago, uh, went through it and studied it and brought out a bunch of stuff that I was kind of learning and growing in. I just love Solomon's uh, reflections. And, and a part of the reason why I love his reflections is he's the wisest man who's ever lived, right? And so if you imagine, it starts to, you know, this is how I'm, my imagination kind of runs wild. If you imagine, like, you know, people start catching on to the fact that this guy knows his stuff, right? And so they're coming to him and they're bringing their complaints or bringing their arguments or bringing their struggles to him. And so over a period of time, he starts to find patterns. And so as he starts writing out these proverbs, uh, in my mind, this comes out of uh, like a pastoral ministry. Now, uh, we don't have documentation. We do have some stories where Solomon kind of intervened in that way and used his wisdom in that way. But, you know, it's not like there's no, like, documented history of that's exactly what happened. But in my mind, uh, that's uh, why the Proverbs are so helpful for me. Here's the this man who's the wisest man who's ever lived. And then I imagine, like, he's running this kingdom and he's got all these people who are coming to him or people who are giving a report to him about all these kind of disturbances that are happening in the kingdom. And as a result of that, he starts writing these Proverbs that are helping you know, give real wisdom towards very practical things that you and I go through on a regular basis, right? He's like a very wise counselor and who's seen everything, right? And But now as a result of seeing everything, he's giving advice based upon what he's experiencing, what he's seeing, and he's trying to go, hey, listen, this is what wisdom looks like. And this is what wisdom as it relates to being a neighbor looks like. And I, and I want to walk through that a little bit because uh, I think it's really important. But what I love first and foremost about this proverb is how honest it is, right? This honest teaching about what it means to be a good neighbor, both the neighbor as somebody's coming in and offending you and also the neighbor who's doing the offending. Like in either one of those situations, there's something that's happening that we have to kind of bring into, um, you know, some form of how do I do this? How do we do this well? And bring it into conviction. What is the, What does it mean to be a good neighbor? And what does it mean to be a bad neighbor? And so uh, a couple of the terms that, that I'd love to help us work through is the, these ideas behind, and it really is a question of, are you a giver or are you a taker. A lot of times as I'm meeting with people uh, who have frustrations around their family members or, or friends is is going, do you believe that friend is a giver or a taker? And a lot of times where there's huge conflict, it's because somebody's a taker. They constantly are taking. They're constantly invading this space. And, and so Solomon's like trying to help people go, hey, you got to stop being that type of neighbor. Stop being the kind of neighbor 
that is constantly taking and taking and taking. Have some self-awareness because you're going to freak people out and you're going to make them like legit hate you because you just constantly take, 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 invading the space, invading the space and, and actually invading and not being a good neighbor. Now, there are those who are givers and givers are good and, and, and great. They really are. But sometimes givers become enablers, which means we don't want to tell that person, hey, listen, actually, the way you're doing this, the way you're invading this space is not helpful. And so what happens is we start building up animosity and it gets to a point, And this is the interesting part of this passage. It actually gets to the point where you're like, dude, I hate that guy. He keeps coming into my space. I hate that guy. So in uh, at least in my mind, in this proverb, you have two problems that are happening, and it's with givers and takers. And both of them have to bring themselves into conviction. And so the advice I've kind of been working through even in my own life, uh, and maybe this will be helpful for you too, is as a neighbor, you, you really do need to create boundaries. Boundaries are good. Uh, but you also have to be a neighbor Uh, who is not crossing boundaries. So I both need to be a neighbor who's creating boundaries to create so I'm not enabling, but I also have to have enough self-awareness to say, am I being a neighbor who is constantly crossing boundaries and pressing boundaries? Do I have enough EQ, right? EQ, emotional IQ, that goes, I think I keep invading their space. I keep kind of blowing through the door and I really... Or I just keep borrowing all their stuff and I keep returning it dirty. Or, or you name whatever bad behaviors you've experienced as a neighbor receiving something or that you've done yourself. And go like, wow, I really do need to work on this. Again, Solomon's like, in, at least in the Proverbs, is like a father giving advice. And he's kind of like giving advice to his son. Like, listen, just don't be that kind of neighbor. But I also want to bring that be also the neighbor that creates a boundary that does not allow yourself to to be abused in that way so that it builds up hate and on anonymity in your heart, like animosity in your heart. That's not anonymity. (laughs) See, every once I get on a roll here and I start going and I'm jamming and and I miss my words. But you know, you want to watch that animosity in your heart because hate obviously is not a good thing. You were supposed to love our neighbors as he has loved us. And so we need to bring both of those things uh, into conviction, in into our life. And the, the, the way I started thinking about this as it relates to Jesus is that Jesus dies. He gives us grace. But if we're not careful, we just abuse grace. Like Paul's coming back and saying, yes, his grace is freely given to us. Like he's been the good shepherd, a great, not just neighbor, but father, savior, right? And so our responsibility is not to abuse that grace, but live in light of it. And I thought how beautiful it is that even within the, the dynamic that Jesus brings to us, he's like, I've given you a gift. Just don't abuse it, you know, like, like honor it take care of it. Um, Diedrich Bonhoeffer has this idea of cheap grace. And cheap grace is that we just kind of like whatever Jesus has done for us, we just kind of like whatever. It's no big deal. And and we we don't realize what an amazing, overwhelming, awe-inspiring, life-shifting, eternity-impacting kind of grace it is. 
And once we understand that, we live in light of it. But cheap grace is like, eh, it's not that big a deal. And it's just not good. And so I think in the context of this passage, one, what has Jesus done for you and how are you honoring him? And how does that impact the way you both neighbor people or are a neighbor to people? Um, and that should make a huge impact in, in, in our lives. And so uh, the statement I've been working through is this idea that neighboring means not neglecting the needs of others. And sometimes the not neglecting the needs of others is actually creating boundaries that's not enabling a bad behavior. And, and also neighbor, not neglecting the needs of others means uh, sometimes I need to be self-aware enough to know uh, I am not temp- taking advantage of my neighbor and I need to do that better. So simple question, are you a good neighbor and what does that mean? And just walking that through I think will be really, really helpful uh, for you and for me as we grow in our understanding of what it means to be a kingdom citizen, but also to be a citizen here on earth, living in the kingdom of God and caring for one another. Uh, Heavenly Father, we want a, we want to be a great neighbor, and we thank you that it, it, your son Jesus moved into the neighborhood, incarnated, and uh, so grateful that just the love and the sacrifice that Jesus brought to us and showing us and displaying to us what it is to be a great not just neighbor, but Lord and Savior, we thank you. So, take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to you in your own heart. Till next time.